Have you ever taken the time to reflect on how far we have come in the last 100 years? We can travel across the globe in a day. News travels even faster. When the Olympics are held on the other side of the planet, we can still watch them live or have the results appear instantly on our phones. We live in an era of abundance, wealth, and luxury that would seem impossible to most who lived only a few generations ago. In many ways, we live in a utopia compared to our ancestors. Yet many of the problems that existed 100, 200, or 1,000 years ago are still present today, some even growing in intensity. Have you ever examined the world we live in today and asked, with all this abundance, what is it we are still missing? And what will happen if we continue on the present course we have charted for ourselves? Here on Tomorrow's World, we want to ask the difficult questions about the long-term effects of the decisions we make today, both personally and collectively. We want to look for solutions and present the case for a future better than what most people have ever imagined. On today's program, I'm going to give you an overview of what Tomorrow's World is all about. We'll begin by looking at today's world and contrast that with the brighter future we envision for tomorrow. We'll also look at how that wonderful future of tomorrow's world will be brought into fruition. Join me as we ask, what is tomorrow's world? Welcome to Tomorrow's World. I'm excited you've chosen to join us today, as this is a program unlike any we've aired on this station before. Today, we are going to take a close look at what motivates us to produce this telecast, the type of questions we expect to continue to explore with you, and ultimately answer the question, just what is Tomorrow's World? The basic premise that we aim to explore on the Tomorrow's World program is this. What are the future results of the decisions we are making today, both individually and as a society? And if we are not satisfied with those results, how can we chart a new course in search of a more favorable outcome? On today's program, we are going to take a small snapshot of the world around us as it is today, asking the question of what the world would look like if certain trends continue. Then. We'll look at a future you may not have previously considered, an outcome far greater than most see for our future, a time we excitedly and expectantly call tomorrow's world. Lastly, we'll look at how changes to the decisions we make today can positively impact our future in ways few have ever even imagined. We live in an age of contradictions. If someone from the year 1500 was transported more than 500 years into the future for a day, what would they report when they got back? They'd tell of a future where the collective knowledge of mankind throughout history was available at everyone's fingertips. A future where diseases such as polio and smallpox have been eradicated. A future where fresh foods from around the world can be bought at the store just around the corner. However, if our time-traveling friend were to linger, he might give a very different report. He might speak of a time when an individual with a single weapon could bring an entire community to their knees. He might tell of a time when the family structure has been termed obsolete with devastating results. 
He might tell of a future where starvation still exists at the same time as millions eat their way to an early death. I imagine he would be perplexed that at a time where we have so much to be happy about, many individuals choose to take their own lives. This issue of suicide in particular raises some startling questions about the world we live in. Time Magazine reported, happiness is directly related to how much money we make. We've known that for a while. So it shouldn't be surprising that our earnings also correlate with suicide rates. All else being equal, suicide risks are higher in wealthier neighborhoods, a morbid demonstration of the folly of trying to keep up with the Joneses. It seems that once we are prosperous enough to have our basic needs met, many strive to find greater fulfillment in material possessions and come away feeling empty and lacking purpose. Technology Review had this to say about the general frame of mind for many. Since the 1950s, reports of major depression have increased tenfold. And while much of that increase undoubtedly represents a new willingness to diagnose mental illness, there's a general consensus among mental health experts that it also reflects a real development. People are more anxious, trust governments and business less, and get divorced more often. The old adage that money can't buy happiness seems to apply to technological advancements as well. We have minimized many natural diseases, only to destroy our bodies through substance abuse. We've made food abundant in the Western world, yet malnutrition skyrockets as we choose foods that taste great, but carry little real value. We've made life much easier on ourselves, but have no idea what to do with this spare time. A popular online magazine, TechCrunch, asks the poignant question. Almost everything seems like it's on demand. So why haven't we developed happiness on demand? We've seen more technological growth in the last 10 years than we saw in the 100 years before that. And it seems we've only grown less happy. What gives? How many are pausing to truly focus on finding a solution for this problem? As technology moves forward, these trends are likely to increase unless humankind is able to refocus its energy on a purpose greater than simply survival of the self. Of course, while most of us take survival for granted, many of the world's brightest minds are voicing concerns over where technology may be taking us. At a speech given to students from the Massachusetts Institute of Technology, Elon Musk, the CEO of SpaceX, Tesla, and several other technology companies sparked debate by questioning the future of artificial intelligence. I think we should be very careful about artificial intelligence. If I had to guess what our biggest existential threat is, it's probably that. So we need to be very careful. Stephen Hawking echoed this concern. The theoretical physicist identified artificial intelligence, nuclear war, and genetically engineered viruses as some of the man-made problems that pose an imminent threat to humanity. And the 74-year-old said that as we rapidly advance in these fields, there will be new ways things can go wrong. We are at a point in history where we are trapped by our own advances, with humanity increasingly at risk from man-made threats, but without technology sophisticated enough to escape from Earth in the event of cataclysm. Is that the answer then? Should we expend every effort in an attempt to create an escape plan should we render our existence on this planet impossible? Please don't get me wrong. 
Technology in and of itself is not a bad thing. I am extremely thankful for the modern comforts provided through technology. The problem seems to be twofold. Firstly, how we react to technology. And second, our inability to prevent the opening of a Pandora's box type calamity or to overcome whatever resulting disaster we may face. I don't want to paint an entirely bleak picture. Inspiring things do happen every day. However, it is clear that while we enjoy advancements not even dreamed of in past generations, many people are still finding it hard to get by. And many who are able to get by find they are still missing something. That is today's world. And according to some of the world's greatest minds, the future holds some very dangerous question marks. Don't you think it's time for some good news? I have some wonderful news to share with you when we return. But first, I want to offer you a free booklet that will vividly describe a future time of peace and prosperity for all. The world ahead, what will it be like, details a remarkable future which we'll get a glimpse of when we come back. Grab a pen and paper to write down our information and be sure to order this exceptional booklet. Let the Bible speak to you with this helpful guide. Simply call the number on your screen and ask for the world ahead. What will it be like? You can also order online at TWCanada.org. There's no catch, no hidden cost. Here at Tomorrow's World, we believe that the truth of what God has planned for the world can dramatically change your life. Don't delay. Dial the number on your screen or visit us online to get your free copy. If you missed our contact information this time, keep watching. Welcome back. Before the break, we looked at the state of affairs in the world around us, asking, with so much advancement, why are so many unsatisfied with life? We also saw some grave concerns for the future if we continue on our present course. But I promised you some good news. We can read of that good news in the pages of your Bible. When many people hear the term Bible prophecy, their minds immediately jump to images of famine, war, and devastation. What was the first thing that came to your mind when I mentioned Bible prophecy? I imagine for many it was the phrase, the end of the world. There is no doubt the Bible contains several prophecies outlining troublesome times ahead. However, you need to beware the trap of failing to read what happens beyond the time described not as the end of the world, but as the end of the age. The phrase, the end of the world, indicates a destruction of the planet from which there is no recovery. The phrase more relevant to most Bible prophecies is the end of the age, the equivalent of saying the end of an era, marking the passing of one time frame and the establishment of another. When we look past the end of the age to what lies after, we find some of the most beautiful passages in Scripture, depicting a time of peace, prosperity, and order. This is the direct result of the return of Jesus Christ and His governance over the earth. On this program, we refer to that time as tomorrow's world. Let's notice a few descriptions of this wonderful time ahead. We'll begin in the 8th chapter of Zechariah and in verse 4. Thus says the Lord of hosts, Old men and old women shall again sit in the streets of Jerusalem, each one with his staff in his hand because of great age. The streets of the city shall be full of boys and girls playing in its streets. 
Anyone who watches the news understands that a safe Jerusalem, where people look forward to growing old together in peace, is a foreign concept in today's world. The prophet Micah describes a time of prosperity and personal wealth when you can enjoy the fruit of your labor without fear of someone else trying to take advantage of you. But everyone shall sit under his vine and under his fig tree, and no one shall make them afraid, for the mouth of the Lord of hosts has spoken. Isaiah contains many beautiful prophecies filled with vivid imagery of this future time. In the second chapter, he tells us how this prosperity will come to pass. For out of Zion shall go forth the law and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. He shall judge between the nations and rebuke many people. They shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war anymore. As this new age emerges, warfare is no longer taught. West Point will no longer operate. Neither will the Royal Military College of Canada, at least not with remotely the same purpose. There will be no more jihad training camps in the deserts of Yemen or the mountains of Pakistan. Those weapons of warfare that can be repurposed will find new uses aiding in the prosperity of mankind rather than its destruction. Instead, people will flock to the mountain of the Lord. That's symbolic for the government that Jesus Christ will head, an exciting topic for another day, with the purpose of learning the way of life described in this book. While many professing Christians claim that the law of God has been done away with, Isaiah describes a future when it will be highly sought after knowledge. Imagine for a moment what would happen if just one of the Ten Commandments was adhered to around the globe. If the world were to observe, you shall not steal, how much would change overnight? Billions of dollars currently spent on security could be repurposed into aiding our fellow human beings. How much time would you save not having to try to create and remember dozens of passwords to access any of your private information? How much stress would be relieved knowing that your possessions are secure? We don't know exactly when Christ will return and tomorrow's world will begin. However, we do know the way of life that will be taught at that time, and we do know that those who strive to live that way of life now don't need to wait until tomorrow's world to begin to see its benefits. We'll discuss a few of those items in our next segment but we have barely had the opportunity to scratch the surface in describing the wonders of tomorrow's world. Our free booklet, The World Ahead, What Will It Be Like?, takes the time to give many more details than we can cover today. It is inspiring to know what God has in store for us and a great source of encouragement knowing that there are brighter times ahead. This booklet can be helpful in so many ways. Call now and request your free copy. To request your free copy, call the number displayed on the screen and ask for The World Ahead, What Will It Be Like? You can also order online at twcanada.org. Have you ever asked, why does God allow suffering? Or is there life after death? Tomorrow's World Magazine answers these questions and more and will also be sent to you free of charge. Call us right now or visit us online to get your free copy of The World Ahead. What will it be like in Tomorrow's World magazine? I hope you enjoy the rest of today's program. In our last segment, 
we began to explore some of the inspiring scriptures describing a future time we refer to as tomorrow's world. How will the awe-inspiring changes described in your Bible come to pass? They will come about as a result of the reign of Jesus Christ on this earth. His government will instruct the world according to His laws. The book of Revelation details the events surrounding Christ's return. In the middle of chapter 11, we are given a glimpse of what will be the most important announcement in the history of mankind. Then the seventh angel sounded, and there were loud voices in heaven saying, The kingdoms of this world have become the kingdoms of our Lord and of His Christ, and He shall reign forever and ever. Long before the life, ministry, and sacrifice of Jesus Christ, the prophet Isaiah was inspired to record the ultimate result in His future reign and how this magnificent change will come to pass. Of the increase of His government and peace, there will be no end. Upon the throne of David and over His kingdom, to order it and establish it with judgment and justice from that time forward even forever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. He will rule with judgment and justice. It is a shame that many people view this book, in particular the Old Testament, as merely a collection of rituals whose time has come and passed. This book, the Bible that you keep in a drawer at your bedside, on a shelf in the basement, or as an electronic copy on your phone, will be used as the code of conduct during a time of unprecedented peace and prosperity. A few minutes ago, I asked you to imagine the changes in the world if only one of the Ten Commandments, you shall not steal, was put into practice by everyone. Most people can get behind the idea that the world would be better off if everyone else kept God's laws. We need to recognize that that change is one that has to start with you and with me. I encourage you to take the time to visit our website and search for the telecast titled, Does Love Need a Teacher? In it, Gerald Weston shows that the purpose of God's law is to teach us how to properly show love to one another as well as to the creator of the universe. King David recognized the value that was added to his life through God's law. The 119th Psalm is an inspiring section of scripture. It is the longest chapter in the Bible at 176 verses, each one praising the benefits of God's law. Oh, how love I your law! It is my meditation all the day. You, through your commandments, make me wiser than my enemies, for they are ever with me. I have more understanding than all of my teachers, for your testimonies are my meditation. David knew that God's laws provided him a distinct advantage compared to those around him. He also recognized that when he adhered to God's way of life, it kept him out of trouble. I have restrained my feet from every evil way, that I may keep your word. He understood that the law would guide his life in a positive way. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path and that the end result of living a life according to God's laws would be peace, the kind of peace we are looking forward to all of humanity having the opportunity to experience in tomorrow's world. Great peace have those who love your law, and nothing causes them to stumble. You don't need to wait until Christ's return to receive the benefits of living His way of life. 
the Bible is clear that there are rough times ahead. Those prophecies are the result of our failure, individually, nationally, and as a species, to live the way of life instructed through God's law. God famously declared in the book of Deuteronomy, I call heaven and earth as witnesses today against you, that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore choose life, that both you and your descendants may live, that you may obey his voice, and that you may cling to him. For he is your life and the length of your days. God has given us instructions for a way of life that works. Sadly, most have chosen to ignore the fundamental laws of morality governing right and wrong. They have chosen to decide for themselves what is morally acceptable. The results are there for us to see all around us. Paul described the society at the end of the age in his second epistle to Timothy. But know this, that in the last days perilous times will come, for men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. What we've talked about today, tomorrow's world, is not what immediately comes to mind for most when they hear the term Bible prophecy. Many focus on prophecies describing the Great Tribulation and the Day of the Lord and fail to look past that time to the good news of the Kingdom of God. I hope you have found the prophecies we've explored today to be encouraging and a source of great hope for your future. This message, that of a future of peace and prosperity, is the central message of Jesus Christ, the true gospel which He preached and is the same message we seek to carry today. It is a message of hope. It is a message of love. It is a message of His future kingdom. I'll leave you with one last prophecy of tomorrow's world. They shall not hurt nor destroy in all my holy mountain. For the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Peace will reign as a result of people having the knowledge found in this book. Join us each week as we explore the remarkable truths described as the knowledge of the Lord. We'll not only show God's laws, but also how God's law is a natural order which makes sense and benefits those who keep it. It's not enough to simply say that peace and prosperity are coming. We need to know how it will come to pass and how you can be part of it. I'm not going to lie to you. Keeping God's laws can be challenging so challenging that only one person has ever done it perfectly. In order to keep at it, you need the proper motivation. What better motivation than to know the bright future that God has in store for the world and for you individually? I hope you'll order your free copy of The World Ahead, What Will It Be Like? Take the time to read through it with your Bible in hand. It will help you to piece together the prophecies of tomorrow's world. In future programs, we'll also see the contrast of today's world. We'll look at the world around us to see the repercussions of breaking the commandments. God's laws are living laws, and just like gravity, you don't have to believe it in order to suffer consequences when you test its boundaries. We'll also look at current events in Europe and the Middle East, 
and how they will impact your future, and examine sweeping changes we see in society today, where they are headed and what is behind them. Stay tuned after the program for our short segment, Tomorrow's World Answers, where we answer your questions straight from the Bible. And be sure to watch every week as Gerald Weston, Stuart Vahovich, Wallace Smith and I give you the good news of tomorrow's world. To learn more about today's topic, visit TWCanada.org. You can also order by calling us at 1-866-784-7895 or by writing us at Tomorrow's World, P.O. Box 409, Mississauga, Ontario, L5M0D6. You will also receive a free subscription to Tomorrow's World magazine, revealing God's principles for leading an abundant and happy life, while providing insight into current and future events. I hope you enjoyed today's program. If you would like to watch it again or request today's free offer, visit us online at www.twcanada.org. Welcome to Tomorrow's World Answers, where we answer your questions straight from the Bible. Today's question is this, is the Kingdom of God within you? According to the Bible, a central message that Jesus delivered, and one which His disciples later disseminated, was the teaching of the Kingdom of God. While many scriptures in the Old and New Testaments speak of this as a literal kingdom, many are confused on this point believing it is a kingdom in the heart of man, or it is a church presently on the earth today. One of the scriptures that leads to such thinking is found in Luke 17, verses 20 to 21. Now when he was asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, he answered them and said, The kingdom of God does not come with observation, nor will they say, See here or see there, for indeed, the kingdom of God is within you. Clearly, the prophet Daniel was inspired to speak of the prophesied kingdom as a literal kingdom or government. And in the days of these kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom which shall never be destroyed. It shall stand forever. So what exactly did Christ mean by stating, the kingdom of God is within you? Some have used this expression to suggest that the kingdom was to be within the hearts of men, causing them to think in a more godly way. Please note that Jesus was answering a question from a group of Pharisees who had rejected Jesus as their Messiah. They knew the prophecies of the coming kingdom. Notice Jesus did not say, the kingdom of God shall be set up in your hearts. He never said or implied that the kingdom was to be a church. Yet he did answer in the present tense and not in the future tense. Many marginal references indicate that the translation is intended to convey the kingdom of God is in the midst of you. The New English Bible renders this verse. There will be no saying, look, here it is, or there it is, for in fact the kingdom of God is among you. The Moffat translation renders the last half of this verse as, quote, for the reign of God is now in your midst." Unquote. Jesus in Luke 17 was not speaking of the establishment of a church or of sentiments of the heart, but rather he was telling the Pharisees that he, the ruler of the future kingdom, was standing in their midst. 
was in their very presence. If you would like to submit a question for the show, email us at the address shown on the screen. Be sure to watch us online at twcanada.org or by searching Tomorrow's World Answers on YouTube. At our website, you can also watch this and many more Tomorrow's World programs. Call 1-866-784-7895. Write or visit us online today. This program is a production of The Living Church of God.